Welcome to Eva, the Relationship Maker podcast, where we talk about difficulties, how to overcome it, trials, successes, experiences, and yes, relationships, without which we cannot succeed. I am so happy and I so needed you. I don't know where were you, Joshua, but I needed you. And everybody needs you at this point with this crazy world. So um, what I'm going to do, I have Nanny, Carolina, Chasin, I have uh, Joshua here, and um, I'm going to let uh, Nanny introduce herself and introduce you. And after we're going to start with the, some of the questions. All right. Well, welcome everybody again. And thank you, Eva, for allowing us to host this in collaboration with Joshua. And it's a really good pleasure for myself. I am a business and life coach that optimizes and automates your life for your success. And we've been running this podcast uh, for a little bit, but now we have some guest um, Joshua, who is a meditation expert, a philosopher, a business owner, and also he is an investor and he is incredible very talented person that actually can transcend your thoughts into something else and he will guide you into a different level of thinking mindset and state of mind in the integration of the body mind and soul so and with that uh joshua why don't you introduce yourself a little bit more and uh, tell us um who you are and how Thank you started you. to do this, because it's, it's a, it, I read it and it's fascinating, so. Thank you very much. Well, I'm, I'm Joshua Jordan, and I uh, started in this meditation coaching thing. When I, was, when I was younger, I just sort of, I don't even know how people ask me when I started meditating. There's no simple answer to that. I, I sat, started sitting in Lotus when I was in fourth grade because one of my uh, classmates taught me how to do it and it was just it was just like, why don't you put your heel over your knee like this and put your other heel over your knee like that and see if you can do it you know like kids would wiggle their ears and that sort of thing and it would irritate my teacher and so I kept doing it and so I kept that <laughs> skill and I would stare at walls when I get punished as a child and I'd go into trance states and whatnot and later on I formalized my practice and I started learning how to meditate in high school when I was doing tai chi and then I did a more formal yogic program when I was in the army and then I traveled for six years and picked up a few more skills. And, um, yeah, I just, I was actually complaining one night about the, uh, the stuff that goes on on the internet. Like, um, they call it guided meditation, but it's really a form of light hypnosis. I know this is going to irritate a lot of people, but it is what it is. And I was complaining to my wife on the couch one night about it. And I was like, these people aren't meditating. They might as well go to a movie and get this thing that we call suspension of disbelief and forget who they are and forget that they're in a theater. And that's the same experience that they get during a so-called guided meditation or when they overload their senses with a mantra or something like that. And they don't have the actual foundation to go into that state. And, uh, and my wife was like, well, why don't you go out and teach people how to do it then? People need this, obviously. And I was like, you know what? Why not? I just got into the financial industry and uh, I was looking for something to do. And I noticed that for, nobody was even doing a suitability analysis to see if people could even meditate, if they even had the, the capability to do it or the interest or the fortitude. And so that was one of the first things that I thought was I want to ask people, get to know people and figure out where they're at individually and evaluate them and start working with them individually. And that was how I ended up getting into this business. Even your voice is like made for this. It's a very soothing <laughs> voice, so it's perfect. 
Yeah, I took Tai Chi. I I did the silver method. And uh, somehow I cannot get to the point to meditate. But uh, I'm going to get into that later on. I let uh, Nanny ask the um, questions she has for you. And I'm going to take over after. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so here we have uh, both uh, opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, Eva is actually a typical person from the the crowd where she has she's struggling to meditate, struggling to calm down her mind. And so that's great because we can have some answers from you about how to do that, how to get to that state. A lot of people have trouble meditating. And then I am in the other spectrum. I can meditate anywhere, anytime. And it's very easy for me. And I like it. I love it. And I do have those feelings of centeredness, feelings of empowerment, feelings of wisdom, and I have clarity in my mind to make decisions when I meditate. So, and I've been doing it, I've been doing Tai Chi since I was, um, since I guess it was not 1991, and uh, Qigong and Tai Chi uh, for concentration at school when I was in college. And definitely that helped me in studying to get more concentration. And uh, that was the reason why I did it, not for physical strength or anything. But then I know I, I learned how Tai Chi is also a martial arts for healing. So then I started incorporating that into healing properties and doing Tai Chi Gun and Tai Chi for uh, healing and, and elevating the immune system and all that. And how meditation also comes out. So for me, it's very uh, uh, fascinating. I love it. And uh, Joshua and I have had long talks about all kinds of things. <laughs> all kinds of deep things out of this world things and uh, Eva will tell you some things that she's curious about because there's uh, some information that you don't know about her but it's really going to be in amazing so the first thing that I have some questions I think I shared with you before but um, I wanted to the first thing is how long do you have to meditate for to be effective that's a good question um you want to do you mean how long do you have to meditate uh, if you have practice meditation to notice the effects or like the interval that you sit or what, what do you mean exactly yeah. yeah yeah so if you're studying meditation how long till you study enough to feel that it's effective in your life and uh and and that in involves of course how long do you stay in the meditation and how long do you have to study for uh to do that and maybe the answer is simple but i know you're the expert on it yeah, it's uh, it's it's different for every person. Uh, so if I, I could probably work with you or anyone and do a breathing technique with you, like four, seven, eight breathing, and you'll notice a difference right away within about 14 minutes or so, you'll notice that your parasympathetic nervous system is activated and you're a little less stressed out. So you'll notice some physiological changes right away. Some of the larger changes happen over time, like... Um, for, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go with CIA data here or Army data actually because uh, if there's an Army study on CIA.gov about Project Stargate and there's a lot of scientific stuff in there so Kundalini uh, that Kundalini serpent that you're supposed to raise when you're doing Kundalini yoga for example is actually a way that after years of practice you activate something in the ventricles of your brain. I don't quite understand it yet. I'm not a neurologist. And it's a physiological thing that happens that creates bliss in your body. And I felt that. 
that happens after years of practice that you can do that. Um, if you relax the uh, vent uh, polyvagal nerve, um, I have a book on it. I'm still reading it. You can you can experience compassion. So compassion is not a personal choice. Like people make it out like you're you have no compassion. You're a horrible person. Well, that's because their nerves are tight. Their muscles around their nerves are tight, and they can't feel compassion. They simply don't have the capacity for it. So. It depends on which benefits you're looking for, which nerves you're activating, and which senses um, you've been able to bring under control. But you'll notice some changes right away. And then over time, you'll notice more and more changes. There are changes to gray matter in the brain, for example, that take time. So it really depends on, on the person and the goals of the person. It's a multi-level effect, effect on the body and the brain and your emotions and your mindset so that's really fascinating and it's also fascinating that it actually depends on every single person right but what you're saying is that within 15 minutes you can see the effectiveness of meditation eva sure if you yeah, sure no 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 please please continue yeah sure if you if you just do a, if you just simply learn to sit still and focus on your breathing, you'll notice that the volume gets turned down on things. I mean, you, you can try this when you're having a conversation with somebody that you don't really want to talk to. Just focus on your breathing. Right away, you're, you're less stressed out because you're not focused so much on them. And yet your mind is processing what's going on with them and you're able to respond to them. And they don't really know that you're not exactly giving them your full attention either. And meditation is, is very much about getting yourselves out of the world or getting ourselves, excuse me, out of the world of concepts and ideas, out of those two worlds of concepts and ideas. I often tell people, you know, we have this thing, this is an inhaler from Thailand, but it's really an ineffable object. And we refer to it as an inhaler and we can conceptualize it as something to inhale or we even could break a window with it if we needed to. It depends on how we, so we have the thing. We have the abstraction, the label for it, and we have the concept. And yet we live in a world of concepts and ideas. And so I, a lot of my, I had a client one time, for example, that had a problem with a certain politician, he who shall not be named. And she was flipping out about him one day. And I asked her, I said, how many decisions do you make in a day that this politician influences? What goes on in your day from day to day that this politician has any influence on whatsoever? And she's like, well, nothing. And I'm like, then why are you creating this trouble for yourself? Because this is all just an idea and a concept. It has nothing to do with your physical reality or your experience here and now. You're not thinking about the ceiling above your head right now, except now that I mentioned it. And he was just like that until you decided to bring him up. You're the one that was thinking about him and you're the one that's perturbing your amygdala. So we create these delusions in our neocortex that stimulate our amygdala, which creates stress. And when we meditate, we stop doing that to a fair degree because we're not focused on that stuff. So it's um, and that usually that process usually happens where we can activate our parasympathetic nervous system by breathing a certain way within about 14 minutes. Wow. Isn't it interesting that everything happens in the mind and it's mm. real, it's not real, it's there. And we are when something happens, we make it so big that we cannot deal with it. And then the stress comes in. Um, so I have two questions. One of them, you said compassion, that you mm. can develop compassion if you meditate. How about those people who cannot ever have compassion? Is it possible for them to help them to get the compassion? Well, there's only, there is an example that I can think of, and I don't want to stigmatize these people, but I've been studying psychodynamics a little bit with a coach. And there is a form of organization that we call psychopathy. 
And as I understand it, a psychopath has no separation between himself or herself and the environment. They have difficulty experiencing duality, whereas we experience duality, but we experience the same unity that a psychopath experiences in meditation. And a psychopath is con is is in constant survival mode, from what I understand. They they con they're constantly worried that they're going to die, and that's why they behave the way that they do. They're so. And yet I've known a few over the years that I've been able to have relationships with. And as long as I knew how to maintain those relationships, it, I didn't, I didn't get harmed. Uh, I did see other people get harmed, but I didn't. And I don't mean like physically. I mean, I, I did see people get, you know, stuff, but. This is the best explanation I ever heard about, about psychopathy and compassion. So thank you so much for that. And I was reading something, what you mean by developing visualization into an activity? Hypnagogia? Yeah, induction. So I I have a little bit of, I'm going to tell you after, uh, a little bit of uh, knowing how to go into me and uh, help myself when it's pain, whatever. But what you mean developing visualization into an activity? Oh, well, I, um, I used to lay down when I was in, when I was in bed at night, right. Cause like, I just, I got in trouble, like I said, when I was a kid. And so I was, I was stressed out a lot. Like, <laughs> yeah. so, you know. so at the end of the night, I kind of lay down and I had these exercises that I would do because what I, I believed that I was releasing my stress somehow, I believe I convinced myself that I had some control over it. And I would do these, these exercises. And I noticed that if I just kind of laid there after I did the exercises, I felt this strange sensation. Like, um, have you ever driven a standard transmission vehicle before we have a gear shifter and a clutch? Yes. You know how when you pop the clutch, you can feel the drive shaft and you feel it in your bones. It goes to your pelvic floor muscles and your bones and all through your body. You feel it in your spine. I felt that kind of a shift in my body. Like my body was like dislodging somehow. Like it was slipping between things, and I, I I I used to I used to like that feeling, and I kind of float there for a while, and um and so after doing my exercises and floating there for a while, I'd start to have the visions and so on and so forth that you get with hypnagogia, and that was basically I just started doing that as often as I could because I enjoyed that I I really liked it I actually thought that if I I, I thought that if I did that enough that I'd be able to do that instead of sleeping. I got in my head from some cartoon that I could that I could meditate instead of sleeping. But of course, I didn't know how to meditate at the time. I just was playing around and I knew that I didn't know what I was doing. And so I thought that, you know, if I could somehow develop this thing, I could get some kind of a super. I was a kid. I mean, that's what I thought. Um, but it turns out that I was actually doing hypnagogic induction. And that's kind of special. Not what I thought it was, but kind of special. Thank What's you. your experience? I have. uh I'm I'm having hard time meditating, hard time concentrating at this point. Um, I would like to ask you a question, and after I'm going to give the the mic to uh, Nanny, uh, what would you say to people who have terminal cancer and they have a problem sitting down, meditating, or even concentrating? Oh. Um... With that, so I was taking a note because I wanted to. I wanted to mention something later. With that, I would. I mean, look, there's a certain. There, there's only there's only so much that that we can do to deal with pain. At the end of the day, pain is your master. If um, 
I was working with a martial science instructor one time who was talking about the old kick to the groin, right? And he was saying, basically, when I kick those testicles, he's like, this man does not choose whether or not he's going to bend forward and react to my kick. He has to bend forward. He doesn't get a choice. He doesn't get to think about it. He doesn't get to vote on it. He doesn't get to argue about it. It's what happens. And there are certain things that happen in our physiology that we have to learn to deal with. Can now me, I've played, I've done experiments with my own personal pain on lower levels, and I've been able to get to the point where it just feels like an electrical sensation, but that doesn't work all the time. And it doesn't work in all cases. It's, 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 um, it's something that you can work with and it's something that you can get through and do your best with. But at the end of the day, we are human and we, we have to, we have the sufferings of old age, sickness, and death, as the Buddha would say. And um, that's just something that we have to deal with. We can mitigate it. It's our reaction to it that often makes it worse. In fact, that's my note. I was you were, you were mentioning earlier how we stress ourselves out. So we have a tiger in the room, so to speak, and that will stimulate our amygdala, our lower brain functions, and make us stressed out. Then we think about the tiger in our cortex. And remember, I said the cortex stimulates the amygdala. So if I'm thinking about the tiger and there's a tiger there, both are stimulating the amygdala. So if we're having a difficult situation and we're thinking about it and we're focused on it and we're stressing out about it, we're only going to make it worse. So what we can do is we can stop ourselves from making it worse. We can mitigate the damage as much as possible and we can try as best as possible to relate ourselves to what's happening and have the best adjusted response and the optimal adjustment to reality that's possible. At the end of the day, however, you still got to use the bathroom. You still got to eat food. <laughs> you know, you still, it, it, it is what it is. We're still human. And I don't know of any meditative techniques that, that are going to make us uh, go beyond that. But yeah. if I find any, I'll let you know, I am looking. I think, I think <laughs> I understand like Eva's perspective, like, you know, have being a cancer survivor, when you are diagnosed and when you have an active cancer or tumor, you're all the time, like, in a, in a situation, not only, it's not so much thinking about the actual cancer, but you are, your brain is, is thinking about all the things that you have to do or that you can't do or that you want to do given the time that you have left. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a lot of accelerated um, stimulation in the brain to learn things, do things. Uh, I need to learn this, I need to read this, I need to understand this. And, and this, this, um, yeah, it becomes, it's not, it's not so much of like a, a negative stress. It's like this urge, like you have, it's like your time is up and you have to do things. So I remember, I remember like when that happened before the, the surgery, like this was so tense. Like I had, this is so, so, so hard and tense because I wanted to do things I want to understand. I wanted to do like, what do I do? What do I have to do? What do I have to learn? What do I have to put out there? What do how can I make the best out of the time? What if I die in the surgery room? Like all these things and time becomes so short that your brain wants to think about what can you do in that time? And, and so it doesn't stop and, and it, it causes another extra stress. So um, I understand whatever's saying, like, how do you calm? So I think that's what she was also referring. Like, how do you calm down? Like, how do you, Focus. Focus on one thing so that you can not think about, oh my God, I have to do this. I want to do this. I want to expand this. I want to try this thing. I want to, because you have such a short time and, and it's needed that calm state. It's needed for your, 
your immune system to regenerate and to heal, even if you have short time and there's nothing to do. And so you still need that break, that calm down. It's okay, I wanna do this, I'm gonna do it, but how can I set up some time and use meditation to calm down and focus the concentration so that I can recharge? So walking that, does back, that, does that does that does that make sense? Like totally. what I said, um, Eva, totally. that, yeah, absolutely. Walking back to what you just said, Nenny, your mind is racing on things that you want to do. It's part of your your ego complex, basically. It's part of what you would consider to be your personality, what you call I. Okay, I have to do this. I have to do that. I this, I that. These are all so, why do you have to learn? These are social roles, right? You want to learn, um, maybe you want to learn something spiritually, personally, but a lot of people would be like, oh, I've got to do something for my kids. I've got to finish this project. I got to do this. I got to do that. You know, I got all these things to do. This Could you be a little more specific about the types of activities so that I could um, put it be a little, do you want me to be personal or general, I guess? Yeah, this? I mean, we can be as personal as you want because they're more personal and specific. Of course, it'll help somebody, but Eva, can you, explain yeah. a little more of the activities yeah i i can tell you mine but i know eva wants the it's a it's eva's question so i want i want her to give you the example it's i used to be able to meditate i cannot and i want to get to that that quiet place where i used to be able to go and have that energy you know like i don't want anything to be rushed i love my life how it is at this point but I need that that moment, then I can breathe and I say, okay, I'm 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 living my life and I'm doing what I love, so nothing stops me. But I need that moment of peace and how I can reach that, how can I get to that point that even during the day I can have like a 15 minute of 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 empty mind basically. Right. And the activities that she's doing is like she's she wants to do the podcast. She wants to learn about AI. She wants to, you know, set up the I home. And, yeah, I, I yeah, don't. So she, she, these are the activities and she has to complete this thing. You know, like there's there's no actually it's it's like a, it's a ticking bomb. Like her 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 it's condition is a ticking bomb. So it could, she could be done any moment. <laughs> <laughs> she could be i mean it's a ticking bomb so so it could be given the fact that she can be done any moment you know she wants to do so much maybe in the, in 24 hours um or in an hour so she, oh my god i have this thing i have this other thing i want to learn oh, but there's so much thing going on and and there's this news of, oh my god it's so interesting and then she's interested in everything and uh it's great but 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 then you how do you find that space right like so, to meditate and recover that peace so eva um let me ask you um how much of what you want to do relates to your so first of all what do you see your social roles as right now can you name your social roles for me like i'm a husband a father i'm, I'm a veteran okay i'm not not a regular citizen because i've served so i'm a veteran i don't consider my I, can, I encompass citizen in that i'm a father i'm a i'm a husband a father and a meditation coach in that order and i've thrown away pretty much every other social role that i have those are my four primary social roles what social roles do you have that's a good question um, what kind of social roles? Um, I know what, like they say, talking about, uh, yesterday I, I talked to someone about purpose, but I don't think the purpose, that that's what I'm going to bring up. I know I'm here still because I'm needed. 
like I know my kids are calling me, they have a problem, people calling me. I'm, I'm always the person who extinguishes fire. So I'm very good in that role. Sometimes I'm getting kind of annoyed. I'll also, I'm spiritual. I love, uh, um, I love uh, to find out what is more than just my body because my body, I'm a soul with a body. So I know that the soul never dies. So I'm, I don't have a problem with that. And um, I still want certain things to do. I, I enjoy doing the podcast, meeting people like you who can give advice and give some knowledge and some answers to things that I have and many other people I suppose have. So that's where I'm at at this point. I don't know if I'm also a mother, a grandmother, an aunt, and I, I enjoy everything, every aspect of the life. All right. So let's say uh, she's, she's mother. definitely a citizen, a citizen. She's definitely a mother. She's definitely an aunt. And and she's Bad a mother. relationship and she's a relationship maker to all the clients that she has. <laughs> <laughs> and my family. <laughs> You might want to look at paring down some of your social roles or modifying them so that you have more space in your life, especially if I was in a situation, I don't want to get too detailed uh, in the interview to respect your privacy. Um, but mm -hmm. if I was in a situation where I felt like what Nenny was describing and the feeling that I'm getting uh, from you, I would probably, I would diminish my social roles considerably and focus on myself and my personal development to make space for that. I wouldn't really care so much because I've done my part. So the third temptation, the first two temptations of the Buddha related to fear and sex, the third temptation related to social duty. And when the Buddha was finally like, and, I, and by the way, I'm not a Buddhist and I'm not trying to convert you to Buddhism. It's just that when we talk about suffering, Buddha kind of has the monopoly on how to deal with suffering as far as I'm concerned. He's, he's very good with that, just like the Christ in Christianity has the monopoly on forgiveness as far as I'm concerned. So if we're talking about forgiveness, I'll probably talk about the Christ, but now I'm going to talk about the Buddha a little bit. So the third temptation of the Buddha was social duty. And the Buddha simply put his hand on the ground to show Mara, I've done my part. And you have to be able to take some time for yourself and your personal development. And that's your choice as to, as to how and when you want to do that. That's, that's, and then there's two ways to get there. When I first started this business, it wasn't called Innerscapes. It was called Inhibitory Meditation. It terrifies people, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. What we're doing when we're meditating is we're inhibiting our senses. Mm -hmm. There's another method of exhibitory. You can do dynamic meditation. Uh, Bhagwan Rajneesh has an excellent technique for that. He's a very controversial figure, unfortunately, but his uh, dynamic meditation is an excellent technique. And there are other techniques um, that you can use. In fact, every time you sneeze, you know how Christians will say, bless you. Well, the reason why is because if you pay attention when you sneeze, you'll notice that your mind goes blank, just like when you meditate, but only for a split second. Christians believe that demons would get inside your soul and possess you. So they said, bless you when you when you were in <laughs> when you were in that state. Yeah. And uh, so that's so the super but the superstition isn't as silly as as people make it out to be because there is a physiological change in the brain. And these people, while superstitious and creating a ritual for it, recognize that. And that's amazing that that's in our culture. And now I can share that with you and you understand it because you you can, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm having a little fun with it, but at the same time too, you know, thankfully they were able to create that superstition so that we can have that to point to. It's very useful. So I would look at social roles. I would look at what they give and what they take. I'm sure that you're familiar with the concept of psyche and ego, and you can look at the ego as a mask worn by the psyche. So the social role would be a different kind of mask. But look at what the masks give and what they take. And 
look at where you want your life to be. And I would also have an honest discussion with the people in my life. And that might not look pretty. You know, that might, that might look ugly. That might sound awkward. That might even sound angry at times. But I would, I would advise having an honest conversation with the people close to you and expressing where you're at, what you need, and so on and so forth as you figure out these social roles, if this is that important to you, so that you can reorganize things in a way that's acceptable to you so that you can continue with this process that you're going through and get the most out of it. Because it is an experience. It is, it is unique and it is important. And it's something that you're handling right now. And so I would just use those tools and strategies to sort of get started. And then there's more after that. But I think if you, uh, it's like the Pareto distribution. I think most of your results will come from doing that. And then your other things, yeah, it'll really fine tune. It'll make things smoother. But I think a lot of your progress will come just from sitting down and really thinking about that, how you want to approach your social roles and how you want to approach uh, your personal path. Thank you so much. By the way, I did uh, chant it at one point for a whole year, and I still sometimes do it. And one of the best books I read, it's the Tibetan book of living and dying. So I still not finished, but it's very interesting how people, uh, they don't live in the moment. And that's one of the things I learned to live in the moment. But anyway, enough of me. I'm going to let Nanny ask the questions. And thank you so much for your wisdom. I re It really helped. It's going uh, to make me think. I think I, I so. from what I get um, from the answer is like, you when we have all these thoughts of doing all these projects, but we feel torn to take that time, sometimes the social roles that we have affect the ability to calm down is what you're trying oh, yes. to say. And oh, yes. when those social roles are affecting, are not in their place and you don't have that space because you feel like you have, you have like you're tied, then you don't have the space to, to, to slow down. Um, but it's, it's interesting, like even, so that was leading to my next question. How do you stop the images and the thoughts when you're deciding to go into a meditation. So let's okay. say you defined it, you, you defined your, your boundaries with your social roles. So you've mm -hmm. had your boundaries set and mm -hmm. uh, you've now decided, okay, um, I have all these projects. I want to do all these things, mm -hmm. but all these images come to mind. And this is, I'm going to meditate tomorrow in the morning when I wake up. So then at that moment you wake up, but you still like, time is up you have little time to live you want to do all these things that day you don't know thoughts come into your head how do you calm down the thoughts of now you have all the boundaries set so nothing is happening so how do you calm down those thoughts you let them pass through you observe them you evaluate you you judge them you um you breathe what is it that you can do with those images and thoughts Okay. So the first thing I would do, say you wake up in bed, you're feeling like this. The first thing you want to do is you've told yourself you're going to meditate. So get up, go to where you're going to meditate, get in the position, sit. Okay. Um, you're going to, you're going to keep thinking and having these thoughts. That's a natural part of the body processing stress. The mind processes stress in this way. Don't cling to the thoughts. Don't hold on to the thoughts. Don't, don't focus on them. Just 
like you said, observe them and let them pass. If you sit there and think about it, it's again, you're, hey, you got the tiger in the room. You're thinking about the tiger. So just let the tiger go through the room. It's not going to hurt you. It's just a mirage. It's just a thought. It's not going to do anything to you. You don't have to cling to the thought. You don't have to um, play with the thought. You don't have to judge the thought. If you must, you the Burmese will label the thought. Like I find this useful in social situations. Like when someone's irritating me, I'll be like irritating. And that just sort of classifies them as an irritant. And I don't focus on anything else that they're saying with a thought. If it's really bugging me, I might reject that thought. I'm not going to judge it. I'm just going to say, I reject that. Like, I'm not interested in that. It's there. You know, it's like, um, I don't particularly it's like, command, it's like commanding. You're like, you're, it's like, you're not your thoughts. You're more than that. And then you're commanding that thought to go where you want it to go. Not exactly. That's no? it's more like, no, no, that, that, that gets a little bit too pushy. I think. See, like this crinkled piece of paper right here, I was just thinking, I don't like it, but it's there, all right? I just, and when I'm done here, I'm going to throw it in the trash. But I'm not going to sit here and think about that crinkled piece of paper the entire time that I'm talking to you. I'm not even, you know, I was just looking around for something that I thought was an eyesore in my peripheral vision while you were talking and saw that. And so that I don't like, that will get cleaned up. But I'm not going to focus on it. I'm not going to let it ruin the interview, and I'm not going to let it break into my my thought patterns. It can be there and it can be present. Like right now, there's a war happening on the other side of the planet. If we were inside of that artillery zone getting hammered, uh, we would feel a little bit differently about it than we do now. And in the same way, we can look at our thoughts that way. We're not in an artillery zone. We're not taking direct fire. There's no tiger in the room. We can just relax. We can coexist with our thoughts. And eventually what happens is an amazing thing. They start to slow down. And they start to diminish in their potency and they eventually start to go away. And what's revealed is a state of mind called Mushin in Japanese, where best expressed by this poem, um, when the geese fly across the lake, they do not intend to cast a reflection and the water has no mind to receive their image. Mm, that's lovely. Yeah, it's interesting. Can you repeat it? So, I've got it. I've got a. Uh, I've got it yeah, written but down. But it's here. a great one. It's beautiful. Beautiful. The wild geese do not intend to cast their reflection. The water has no mind to receive their image. And and, and so that's how we want to treat the thoughts that come when we are in the meditation. Yes. 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 And I, that originally comes from Taoist literature, but it was ripped off by some Zen guy named Zenrin or something. So that's not my. That's not my poem. That that's originally Taoist literature. And I think I have the Japanese uh, plagiarized version of it. It's yeah. interesting that in uh, Japan and some other Asian countries, meditation is a must for children. Do you think if uh, kids would be able to meditate, they would be less aggressive, they would be have better grades, they would behave better, and they would have a better life, basically? If I had actually been formally trained to meditate, I think that I would have been a better person much sooner in my life. I um, I actually learned, I, I garnered a lot of meditative skill from the military, actually, being having to stand at attention and whatnot. It's, I, I think so, yes. I think that people would, 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 uh, would be less would be less distracted. I think they'd be more focused. I think that we would be better people. We would be able to better communicate with one another. We would be better able to control ourselves and having that mastery over ourselves. A lot of people want special superpowers, but if you could control yourself even 50% better than what you do, what sorcery would be more powerful than that? 
I mean, really, we would have so much more capacity. First, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't fall victim to most of these narratives. So we turn on the news and we see a narrative. It has nothing to do with us. I mean, I can sit here and I get two bottle caps and I can narrate an epic battle between good and evil because the black cap and the white cap are fighting and ah, blah, 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 and I can get children to greater and greater levels of excitement. And that's what the media is. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a puppet show. And we get we get pulled in with puppet shows like the media. We get pulled in with puppet shows like speech. If we actually have these people write down their thoughts, they don't look good on paper. If you actually put subtitles on on a television, on a talk show, there's maybe five words of substance and the rest of it's glue words and weasel words. It's nonsense. And yet people sit there and stare at it like it's important because they're hypnotized by it. And if we were able to meditate when we were younger and we were able to get into these disciplines from a younger age, I think that we wouldn't be susceptible to a lot of the influence that happens in our society. And I think that's one of the reasons, too, why you see persecution of these types of paradigms historically. If you have something that helps people see through the game, that's something that a tyrant would be very afraid of. And that's something that authoritarians would be very afraid of. So I don't think that it's any accident that uh, that these things are shrouded in the mystery that they're shrouded in because they had to be hidden, uh, because people had to be convinced to continue householding, as it was called in the Hindu system. And once you reach a certain age, you could go do these things and become what was called a forest dweller. And then you'd learn this stuff from a guru who lived and didn't get eaten by a big cat or whatever in the forest, if you happen to be lucky enough to find one. And so I think that, yes, this would be good for our society. I would like to see that in our schools. I've worked on this with my son as much as I can, but I don't want to push him because I don't want him to think like when our parents made us go to church, that we go to church because it's good for us. And yet it's boring and we hate it and we don't understand it and we don't go to church anymore. And so God gets so airy that he floats away and we lose whatever it was that we were getting from that. And if so, there needs to be a way that we can introduce it to children that's fun. And I that's not a focus of mine, but it is something that I would be interested in participating in. And I have my own things, like I say, with my son. But as far as on a mass scale, yes. And how to do that, uh, we would need a lot more experts who are skilled in pedagogy and child neurology and to make it interesting and palatable for the children because we don't want to risk doing what we did to kids in Christianity where they're not interested in Christianity because they just got exposed to it because it was good for them and they hated it. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, do you want to say comment something, Eva? I'm I'm just one more question regarding this. I I believe that uh, these days there is a mass hypnosis, mm -hmm. and people are, are really tuned out and they don't know what to believe. How would it be possible to bring back the people from that that extreme where they are right now? We don't bring anybody back from anywhere. We cannot get inside someone's nervous system and control them. Okay. What we might be able to do is we might be able to sit down and have a conversation with someone. We might be able to sit down and connect with someone. This is hard, especially for me, because I want to move fast and I think everybody should move as fast as I do. That's my problem. That's my bias. I understand that. I understand that's unreasonable, but that is really what I, that's a bias that I have. Manly P. Hall once said that we can do more good for humanity by helping humanity take one solid step forward than we can do by running in front of humanity and yelling at them to follow us. And most of my life I've run in front of humanity and I've, I've told them to follow me. And I think that if we can find a way to get with people individually, and if we have the ability to do it on a mass scale, like some people do, um, then if we can help those people take that one step, 
they have to want to do it and they have to know that they have to take that step. It's like um, it's like when you're selling somebody something, they either know that they have a problem and they know that they need to deal with it now, or they know that they have a problem, but they have time. They can deal with it in six months or something like that. Then you have people that are curious. They're not really going to fix the problem. You have people that don't even want to be there. So people that are curious, you got to get rid of them immediately. Any decent religion, any decent initiatory um uh, group won't allow curious people to participate. They'll just say, you know what, go away. That's why the Zen people would make you sit outside for a long time. You know, you hear these stories of people chopping their arms off to prove their sincerity and all this stuff. That's crazy. But the reason why people were forced to prove their sincerity was because they didn't want just merely curious people around. It's a waste of everyone's time, including the curious person. And people who don't want to be there, there's there's no point to it. So they have to want to solve the problem. That's why I went, went in, back to Buddhism. There, there are certain things that you have to do for Buddhism to work, the Buddhists say. One of them is that you have to believe in the teachings and have faith in the teachings. You have to have faith in the Buddha. So if you don't have faith in those things, like why are you doing it? And so you have to want to solve the problem. You have to believe that you can solve the problem. And then they have to believe that something you're saying, if they listen to it, apply it, play with it, do something with it, will help get them there. And if we can do that with people, then we can help move people a step forward. And that might be all that we can do. And let's look at astrology. It took tens of thousands of years of people taking observations of the heavens to make that discipline. Tens of thousands of slaves under lash built ziggurats in the desert so that these astronomers could stand on top of these things and do a problem where these where these people had the patience to take these notes and make these observations, knowing that the fruits of their labor would never be known by them or their children or their grandchildren in their lifetimes. We have to be able to develop that kind of patience. And, and I'm and me of all people saying this. I mean, I, it's, it's, I, I have to, too. Uh, believe me, um, I have a long way to go with that. And we, we as a species have to start developing that kind of patience with one another so that we can move forward. Or we're simply not going to survive, I think. Don't want to be grim, but we, like you say, we're under mass hypnosis. We're getting to the point where things are like Angkor Wat. We're building up. All the resources are concentrated, like Easter Island, like all the other collapses in history. And yeah, things the, the stakes are high right now. And hopefully we, we have the ability to get through this, and hopefully we will. Yeah, I always say that, you know, you can only affect an influence on the people that you can reach with your hand. And if you can just be an example of what you believe and live your life with whatever example of the things that you believe, people will, if you if you believe in that and you believe that that way of life is the route to success and the route to well-being, the route to peace, the route to fulfillment, and people see it with your example and with your actions. So people want to follow what you're doing and they'll be curious enough, but also one the people that are curious and that need to solve the problem now to get there will actually ask you questions and will actually be next to you and hold your hand and say, can you please hold, hold my hand and take me where you are? And I think that's the, the what's happened in my life. I usually, I'm not preaching around of what the things that I believe that I do and how I do it, but people, when they see the results and see where I've been, see the success, see where I have the things that where I'm at, they actually are curious enough because they want to be there. Then when they're desperate, a lot of people that are surviving cancer also reach out to me and they say, hey, what have you done? What's happened? How are you living the life like that? Live to the, live to the fullest to live your dreams. And how, what's happening? Like, 
how do you do that? And then I tell them, but I don't go out preaching, right? And that's, uh, that's, and, but only, I only reach the people that I can actually talk to directly, like you said, see directly, interact directly. And uh, we've interacted, you know, before in person and, um, you know, <laughs> you've seen what I'm about. And uh, so it's really like that. And the people that know me, that talk to me, Eva and I have talked quite a bit. We have been, even though we haven't met in person, we, hey, she's my best friend, my closest friend. And we talked very often and whoever we can talk and influence just with our life experience and see how we resolve our problems and see how it takes us to a new level that's how we can influence and just the people that we can reach out and if you have a platform like a speaking event a conference where you can speak to larger crowds well of course that's great you have a little more influence you have we have this podcast that's going to reach a lot more people even on posterity right like even if we're not there this is going to still remain in the, the the streaming services the youtubes and everything if they're still out there <laughs> 10 years from now but it will be there for posterity and people will be able to talk to listen to it to it and have and we can be at peace with that patience that you're saying right like you say okay it doesn't matter like whatever we're talking now it may help somebody even 10 years down the road and we may not be here but it will may may help someone right so it's um it's really interesting um how to approach the life that way and it's i think it's the most effective way you know i have another question i looked at different meditation forms and uh you have it's interesting you have quite a few ideas sorry about that so i'm curious which one you recommend the most? Which one, uh, guided meditation, meditative flow, open monitoring, or you know, you have uh, intuitive meditation, uh, even movement meditation, focus attention. Which one is the most required, or which one you are more comfortable and give you the most, uh, the most benefit, basically. Okay, so again, back to the evaluation process when I work with people, some some of those methods aren't good for some people like um, open monitoring, for example, for someone with anxiety might not be a good idea because they're going to be monitoring and becoming more and more anxious and that might actually stop them from making progress. Somebody like that might work better with something like fixed attention, but I would have to work with the individual and see. Were it up to me, were I able to do whatever I wanted to do with a person, which is most people that I that I work with, I can eventually get them to do focused attention and open monitoring in a system in, in a few stages that I that I have. And ultimately, they'll be able to do intuitive and effortless presence, or if they actually intuitive is usually something that they bring to the table. Most of the people that come to me have some intuitive experience like I did as a child, I could go into trance states by staring at walls, for example, that's an intuitive thing. A lot of people will find that they have intuitive abilities that they didn't know that they had because they either deleted, distorted or denied uh, lead to distort or um, I forgot what the other thing that we do cognitively is right now escapes me. Um, but do something to basically bias themselves to think that they don't have that that ability or they do it, but they don't know what they're, they're calling it. So mostly open monitoring and focused attention, but it depends on the psychodynamic disposition of the candidate as to how I'll work with them at that point, if that makes sense. Thank you. That was very interesting. Yep. And so I wanted to ask one question about breathwork, because uh, there's a lot of people out there talking about breathwork and how breathwork can help you and how breathwork induces the meditation and 
I realized, for example, because I'm a singer, that a lot of the breath work uh, techniques, you breathe out for more than you breathe in. And that they said that if you double the, the breath out, then that helps you get into that calm state with the vaso uh, nerve uh, stimulation. And, and I realized that I was getting into a deep meditation when I sang because we, of course we breathe, but then we actually are singing and ex exhaling for a long time when we're singing, especially opera or lyric or everything like that. We really are exhaling for a long time without breathing in. And I realized that I was, that's why like I really enjoyed the singing because I was in that meditative state. I just go, I hyper-focus when I'm singing. So can you talk a little bit more about breath work and how can we use that for meditation? Yeah, there's lots of different definitions of breath work. Um, it's, it's so like for me, breath work, I learned from a from a coach in England. There's a tempo, there's a volume to it. And basically, I do it to get the tingles. I don't know if you've actually done it. Do you, have you done it to where you get? Okay, see, I experienced that during my intimate activities, um, you know, before I even did breath work. So that was not that that's 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 not um you can talk about sex here yeah, as no the sex expert we are all open yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, if, if you're having if you're having sex properly you're going to be using the full capacity of your lungs and you're going to be breathing rapidly and you're going to get these this, this it's going to go all through your body from head to toe and it's more intense than having an orgasm um that's that's what breath work is to me there are other types of breathing techniques that people use like pranayama where we'll have intervals and so on and we do certain techniques so that we can create certain sensations so to activate the parasympathetic nervous system i would just give you a technique that's called four seven eight breathing so you'll inhale for four seconds all right now you'll hold for seven seconds and then exhale for eight seconds and that ratio and you can change the ratio based on uh, your lung capacity or just increase your tempo so that yeah. your, your your rapidity matches the the interval and i get questions like that all the time and um so yeah, and then basically after you do that for for about fourteen minutes, you'll notice an activation of the parasympathetic nervous system. There are other kinds of breathing that you can do, like uh, Navy SEALs will do. Uh, they call it this called square breathing, box breathing. In the military they call it tactical breathing. So maybe you'll breathe four seconds in, hold four seconds, four seconds out, hold four seconds, four seconds in, and so you're focusing on that while you're out with your weapon doing your thing, and you can just basically. Detach yourself from everything else and focus on what's what needs to be done. And I often tell people to do that if they're stressed out during the day. If you can't sit down and do four, seven, eight, do box breathing, square breathing, something like that. But the thing is, is that when you sit down and you you use certain, you're not going to want to do any of these types of techniques when you're meditating. That's that's just to get you into a different state of consciousness. That's not meditating. You want to start using the capacity of your lungs and you want to start just focusing on the breath. It's not so important to breathe a certain way as it is to focus on the breath itself. You're trying to get your attention off of things that are causing you stress. And you're also... One of the interesting things about breathing is that if you stop taking control of it, it does itself. It's the first process and it's the easiest process in your body that you can take conscious and subconscious control over. Just like gold is the first metal that's easiest. It's, I believe it's the first metal that we work with because we can just form it in the shapes with our hands. 
So the breath is like gold in metallurgy. We don't need a bunch of expensive equipment and experience to start fashioning things out of it. Now, can we make a sword out of gold and fight with it? No. Can we make a hammer out of gold and build things with it? Probably not. But can we start to conceptualize what's happening here and build upon that? Yes. And in the same way with the breath, we can start to build upon other things. So, yeah, there are lots of techniques. There are lots of states of consciousness. But in meditation, the breath, you control the body, you control the breath, you control the mind. Then you move on to controlling the, the uh, visual nerve, the optic nerve. You control the auditory nerve. That's what the mantra meditation is about, by the way. And, yes, doing that first will get you the shortcut, but then you're skipping the other steps that you need to get to build the foundation to actually make use of it. And then after that, there's other things that you do to take control of different nerves. And you also will take control of dreams and things like that. That, and then you get more into the subconscious. So the it, it really depends on what tradition people are doing, what their goals are, and where they want to go and what they want to do. Most people will never go that deeply into meditation. And I usually don't talk this much about it publicly, actually. I don't talk uh, so publicly about these aspects of it. Thank you so much. I we so appreciated that you do. And uh, I don't know if you have uh, any other questions, but I'm going to ask you one favor at the end of the of this podcast. Can we do a two minute meditation with you, like the breathing and everything, so we can feel how it is? Uh, sure, we can try. Let me get another chair real quick. Do you have any other questions, or you are okay? Yeah, that's good. I was just going to say that this is almost been an hour, so I think we. We can yeah, have we can one, one last one last question, one last thing. But yeah, definitely, just this is perfect. Uh, if we can, if we can uh, walk us through a short meditation, that will be fantastic. Right, so, and then, so if you're listening right now, get yourself ready, and that's what we're gonna do. And we're gonna let Joshua guide us. There isn't there isn't much to this because um, we haven't. So we're just going to sit in a comfortable position. That's why I got my chair i want my knees below my hips and i want to be able to keep my spine straight but not rigid so i can sit this is a seiza position and you can do this with a meditation bench i like to keep my eyes open i don't like to close my eyes i like to keep them and i don't like to blink them either and i basically just sit and focus on my breathing and i walk people through exercises so that they can do this after the first session i have people to basically sit still and this is what we do. So if you'd um if you'd like to get to where you can sit on the edge, you're on a chair, put your sit bones yeah, and good. Very good. pull the flesh out. So that your sit bones are straight on the chair, spine erect, eyes open, don't blink. Just focus on your breathing. I'll usually clear my throat when I'm working with someone to sort of ease them out of it. And um, because I've tried chimes before and it irritates people, it's too much. Um, you may notice that I sound a little calmer 
Uh, the entire time that I was doing that, I had no thoughts in my head except when you were moving your head and I saw some kind of an artifact out of my peripheral vision going across the screen and I was tracking it with my mind. Other than that, my mind was completely empty, I'm calmer than I was when we were talking before, just from doing that two minutes. I like to take five minutes throughout the day. I'm actually doing an experiment right now where I'll stop like Muslims pray five times a day. I'll stop and I'll check in with myself and have a quick five minute sit. And um, I find that it refreshes me and grounds me and centers me. And it's very nice. It took, it took a lot of practice to get here to be able to do that so quickly, though. And you never blinked, and I couldn't. It's my eyes. Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. It, it, it feels good. It really feels good. Thank you so much. Thank awesome. you. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's as simple as just be there and breathe. Yeah, simple. And I think, yeah, I have a, a fan that's going on and there's wind blowing in my eyes. So my eyes were like, wanted to blink so I couldn't stop blinking. Oh, um, you'll cry too. When I was yeah, in the I cry. Army, I, yeah. Yeah. When I was in the army, my, I would cry. My eyes, my eyes would twitch and I just sit there and I'd, you know, do this. And, and I was, I was kind of a fool. I didn't know much. So, you know how your arm twitches when you're in bed, right? Well, I thought I was fighting with myself. I, I came up with all these crazy ideas because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, you know, I was trying to go through this program and then my, thankfully my mentor helped me out with it, but yeah, it was, uh, but yeah, it, it's tough. But once you, once you practice it, you can do it too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank I you. Will, so I much. will take it and I will do it. So many. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, de you. definitely, um, I practice meditation, not consistently every day, but definitely every Sunday I have my meditation group and then, then we do meditation together, maybe 15, 20 minutes. Um, sometimes it's guided meditation, sometimes it's with breath and sometimes it's with mantra. So we do different things. Um, I do have just for everybody, if they want to reach you, uh, if they want to contact you, can you share how they can reach you? What is the best way to connect with you? Yeah, if you want to like, if you want to talk with me on Zoom, just go to bio.innerscapes.vip and there's a form there and we can set something up and we can take a little time to get to know each other on Zoom. I find that that's best. I, I'd like to get to know people anyway. We have to do that anyway. If you want to just know a little bit more about me and, and some of the things that we were talking about that are on my website, that's at www.innerscapesmeditation.com. And there's some social media out there at Innerscapes is usually a handle if you really want to look at some of my short content, but it's more out there for public consumption. I'd rather talk to you after you look at my material if I have something that you're interested in or you think that we're a good fit. That's more like what I would like to do. Awesome. I'm going to list it below so people are going to know how to reach you. I am so grateful that you came on and uh, we were able to talk. It was amazing. Uh, thank, thank you, you Nanny, again, and um, I you. I can't wait to uh, to ex to practice it and see how it's going to calm my mind. So until next time, thank you. Goodbye. Thank you both. Bye bye. Bye.